Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rowe. So, Andy, um, you sent me a message before we jumped on that you wanted to ask about um, all the different games that we have been buying and, of course, running <laughs> immediately after we bought, bought them. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. what else would you do with a game that you buy, Chris? You would uh, buy a game that you didn't have a concrete plan for running, right? Yeah, I just uh, I just finished cleaning up my desk, actually, this morning, and I put um, no less than three different game books back on the shelf. <laughs> okay, yeah. I got to hear which which were the games that went back onto the shelf. Well, I don't I don't want to put put anybody on blast. So there was there's two small indie games that I had picked up that I'm, I'm actually excited about playing sometime. But um, okay. yeah, whether or not it actually <laughs> it actually happens. The third one was um, World Ending Game by I think it's Everest. I'm gonna look that up real quick. Yeah, Everest Pipkin. Um, so they wrote this game. It is it is all about like how to run like the last the final part of a campaign, right? Oh, like how to like yeah tell tell those stories. So there's like I think a number of chapters that kind of goes over like different genres and things. Uh, yeah, looks super cool. I've played other games by them as well, and it uh, including the ground itself, which we played on the podcast we did, <laughs> a yes. while back. Um, yeah, so I really like their time. Yeah, I really like their design sensibilities quite a bit. So I'm I'm excited to dive into that at some point. But right, I, I <laughs> also needed yeah. to clean my desk up. Yeah, absolutely. I've gotten a couple of Kickstarters come through on me after, you know, the obligatory couple of years of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, limbo status. So any day now, a Goodman Games Kickstarter for a dungeon based around some sort of... So I've deliberately not really read up on it, mm -hmm. even though I backed it, because I kind of wanted to be delighted and surprised by what shows up. But my understanding is that it's a dungeon that's based around like a physical puzzle thing a physical set of wheels or puzzles oh. that you spin or arrange to yeah. kind of dynamically generate the dungeon so mm -hmm. i think the name of the kickstarter was the music of the spheres is chaos or something like that <laughs> so it might actually be showing up today or in the next day or two so that's fantastic i i will let you know that i watched a little bit of a video they had put together of them sort of like working through the design of it and it's one of those ideas where as soon as you hear it, you're like oh my goodness of course <laughs> right <laughs> you know? yes. yeah so i think uh, i think you're in for a treat when you actually get that in your hands okay uh, well i can't i can't wait i am a sucker for that sort of thing my hope these days as a GM is just that I'll be able to find the players and the opportunity to run some of mm -hmm. these awesome things because I, I do feel like there is a real, we're at a real high point of kind of creativity and and variety and diversity in what's out there. Mm -hmm. The challenge is that it's hard to bring those to the game table, right? Yeah, you and I were chatting earlier today about um, you'd found there's a number of like 5e compatible books that someone has put together yes. that are sort of based on movies, like, yes. you know, like Escape from New York is the one that stuck out to me, right? Or yeah, Highlander, like those sorts of things. So you can you can sort of play in in that uh, movie universe inside of a you know, fifth edition. The thing that like stuck out to me about that conversation, another conversation I've had recently is this sense of like n none of the systems are quite right for these things yeah but it's really like that's sort of not the point it's really like, can you get people together that are interested in playing a game is sort of the hard part <laughs> and then yeah. it's like we can debate about systems and stuff but if everybody just sort of wants to play 5e like you know play 5e right like you're, you'll be okay yeah well it's you know we we are in this hobby full of nerds of various sorts and we're all we would all be delighted when our favorite TV show or movie or comic, whatever franchise 
finds an RPG incarnation, right? Mm-hmm. But like bringing that franchise into the hobby is just like the first part of that experience, right? Because then you have to pick a rule set. What mm-hmm. rule set is it going to be run? And so you have this experience of, you know, insane radical fans of whatever, Doctor Who, excited that someone got the got the rights to do this as an RPG, but then it's it's ruined because they're using a rule set that people don't like, right? So, yes, yeah. Like, we're a very finicky and hard-to-please audience, I think. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's it's pretty terrible, honestly. It's like, yeah, we, can't you be happy that there is a board game version of whatever? <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah. 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 So the other game that's on my radar that I, I ordered, I plunked down cash for this and ordered it, is, have you heard of Beam Saber? No, it, I, I know, like, it... I had not either, uh, but it is a forged in the dark game mm-hmm. of uh, like teenage mecha pilots. <laughs> oh my goodness! I know. Okay. Doesn't that sound great? Yeah. This is. It's been on like itch.io, itch.io. However you say that. I think it's itch.io, but I do itch. like itch.io. Itch.io. Right. <laughs> itch, itch. <laughs> it's been on that in PDF form for a while, but it got a like a nice hardcover release. So <laughs> I was like. My, I love Mecha so much, and I've run so few Mecha-related games over yeah. the last 30 years of my life. Yeah. But, I mean, I just have to support the cause of, of good Mecha games. Yeah. So, I, um, I mean, yeah, for listeners, like, uh, at about 20% of Andy's brain is devoted to, to Mecha <laughs> at any, any one time. Like, so, at yeah. all times, I'm, there's yeah. Mecha in my in the back of my head. So, yeah. we are we, Chris, we are living in a... A high point of mecha awesomeness right now mm-hmm. in the rpg world so, uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, which makes the fact that of everyone in my life that i know only i really love mecha it makes yeah. it extra painful but yeah it's i mean i i always i love how like there's these you know like it's almost like fads right so like you know zombies was the big fad whatever 10 yes. 20 years ago <laughs> right and, like i feel like now we are definitely in a mecha phase right like you got you have armored core 6 like this gigantic video yes. game all about mecha like you know and all these other role-playing games and stuff so i'm curious so beam saber is it is it sort of like a neon genesis evangelion style like teenage mecha pilots well we're gonna find out because i kind of this is a thing where you can get me to like supply my credit card information before I finish reading like the description of the product. So we're going to find out, but uh, in, I think blades of the dark tradition, I think it has a number of different kind of campaign frames that Mm -hmm. you can take. I would be stunned if one of those is not neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm -hmm. We're, we're high angst teenagers Mm -hmm. piloting giant Mecca for some reason. Yeah. Um, if that's not in the hardcover book, I will feel like I've been ripped off, but I'm very confident that it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm positive. Yeah. Um, so speaking of of Kickstarters, so Kickstarters and, and hitting back before you finished reading it. So um, I, I, we did want to mention the monstrous Kickstarter. Yes. So our, our friend and, uh, you know, co-podcaster on the network, um, Kyle Latino, is doing this Kickstarter for monstrous, which is like, I guess the way that I keep on thinking about it, and maybe this is totally inaccurate. It's, it's sort of like, the monster manual you actually want, right? It's like, yeah. you know, it, it's not just stat blocks, which sure, whatever, you can go, you know, go find those kind of as needed. But this really helps you sort of walk through thinking through like, oh, like what, you know, like what would this monster actually be? And like, how could you make it terrifying and stuff? So he's doing that with his um, with his game design buddies, Cloud Curio, 
So this is, uh, yeah, like Amber, I think Kenny, and uh, I forget the other, other collaborator that he has on this. But it looks like a really good book. Um, I'm sure we'll link to, uh, link to the Kickstarter in our, in our, uh, in our notes for the, um, this episode. I would imagine everybody who's listening to this knows about that Kickstarter, but just in case we wanted to, <laughs> to, yeah. to put that out there. Yeah, for sure. Go check that out. And mm-hmm. I, I checked a few days ago, they're doing the Kickstarter looks like it's doing great. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. really good stuff can be found in that Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah, I'm hoping they, they smash their goal and can do some of the, the simple stretch goals they have. But yeah, so that looks really cool. And then, so the last thing, apparently this was a, a big buy-in month for, for us. Yeah. Um, but I also, I picked up the Fandelver and Below book. This, oh, yes. The 5e New Adventure. So this is based on the starter, starter set, I think, right? That they had put out. Like, yeah. So the classic, I mean, I would call it the classic campaign at this point for 5e of, um, you know, Lost Minds of Fandelver. So they finally turned that into like a full-length campaign, which again is nuts to me that they waited this long in the the product yeah. cycle i mean we're something. about to the new yeah. edi- the next edition right so yeah listeners uh, chris was waving his copy on the camera here and i saw yeah. it and i noticed that the uh pages of it have that midwestern humidity uh wavy wrinkle effect. yes yeah so yep. listeners if you do not live in the midwest maybe you've not experienced this but when we have like a hot or humid day i have to think what game books do i have that need to get into like our much more climate controlled basement <laughs> asap before yeah. they are permanently wrinkled by the humidity and like yeah. i don't know how to describe it if you haven't seen it but like uh, yeah. yeah chris you know what i mean yeah oh yeah there's like a few millimeters of like a wave that's like almost like <laughs> a, a snake shape going yes. down <laughs> to yeah. all the pages and it will never go away like yeah. it's it's permanent so yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, it's, there's, I'm a lost cause when it comes to that. Uh, but yeah, like, so this, this book looks really good. I haven't had a chance to really read it. It looks like they kind of took it more in like a horror direction oh, um, than the, the original, um, the original campaign, just as, as it goes along. I mean, like the cover has, it looks like mind flares and various other, yeah, other scary beans um, in it. But so I've run that Lost Minds of Fandalver. I've ran like the first part of it a few times and I've done the whole, whole sort of campaign that was like for longtime listeners i did this lunch campaign that lasted for a while we just we played through that uh starter set and it's i think it's it holds up really well so i'm excited i'm hopeful i can actually find a group and maybe actually run (laughs) run it but we'll we'll see we'll see what actually happens but for the time being i'm I'm just happy that there's more of fandelver out there and i'm going to keep that one um yeah keep that one on the shelf until i get yeah i was going to ask you know kind of what were your hopes i mean this is the first 5e book you picked up in years probably right mm-hmm. and i was gonna yeah. ask what your kind of hopes were are, are you looking at another lunchtime game like one hour yeah in, like uh, game experiences every week or something like that i've been thinking about it like yeah i keep thinking if there's a way that i can do it my my work situation is such that i don't i don't know if i can easily do like a lunch a lunch game but maybe yeah. um yeah so we'll see i think like that's sort of on the table i've also been thinking about like we've been we've been toying with the idea of doing a lower key winter role for topic con mm-hmm. um and maybe running some of it there Ooh, like yeah. doing like a a, a, lo- yeah, a couple sessions or something of it and see if we could do get through a chunk of it um i don't know yeah so i mean i'm not i'm not holding on too tightly to anything i have a toddler right now so that just makes planning it's just yeah, for <laughs> it's, sure. a, it's a fool's errand yeah. <laughs> to try why, to plan why anything. even bother making a plan yes. right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but someday yeah someday i'll get back to regularly scheduled long campaigns <laughs> Okay, well, hey, Chris, uh, mm-hmm. for our topic today, normally we roll on the table of topics mm-hmm. and we talk about whatever we roll. 
but I wanted us to revisit a topic we have discussed in the past because I recently ran into this. And by recently, I mean like like two nights ago. Oh, okay. I ran into yeah. this yeah. Uh, in my own GMing. And I have a feeling it's a problem that plenty of GMs run into. And the topic is, what do you do when your players are kind of pursuing a course of action that is way different than you expected or anticipated? Oh, interesting. I want to talk about this as a general topic, a general challenge for GMs, but I'll mm-hmm. explain to you this, the specific incarnation it took at my game table just a couple of nights ago. Okay. So, you ready? I am ready. Yeah, okay. I'm excited for this. All right, yeah. buckle in, hold on to your hats and glasses. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, here's my disclaimer before I start talking about this. I'm going to be talking about a game night that didn't go as planned, mm-hmm. but it was a game that was really fun. I think the players had fun. I had a good time. So when I say like it didn't go right or it went wrong or something, I am not suggesting that the players did something wrong Mm -hmm. or even that I as a GM necessarily did something wrong because we all had a good time and we had smiles on our faces at the end of the night. Yeah. But it's safe to say the adventure did not go as planned. So here's here's what happened, Chris. And I would invite you to like raise your hand or speak up when you hear when you identify the point where (laughs) I started going astray in my GMing. Okay. Okay. So the game was a Star Trek one shot. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have successfully played the Star Trek Adventures RPG before with this group, had several sessions, had a good time, wanted to revisit it. I wanted to do something short and contained that maybe we could even do in like one game night because Mm, scheduling is really hard for this group. And I didn't want to risk having something have to spread across multiple months. Yes. Yeah. So I devised an adventure that I thought would make a good self-contained Star Trek adventure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, This is about like 40% from a published adventure that I won't name, but in about 60% like me riffing on it. So I can't really blame the published adventure for what went horribly awry. Okay. Here's the basic setup. I decided we are going to do a simple scenario where the player characters come across a ship that like a friendly ship that has been disabled by like a science experiment gone wrong. Seems straightforward. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I did have some horror. We talked about this, uh, I think, in the last episode or two. I did want to inject a little bit of Halloween horror into this, too. So that's Mm -hmm. some of this is looking in the background. So I had in my mind, I wanted a scenario where they would board the ship and they're exploring it, trying to figure out what happened. And while they're on the ship, once they get on the ship, they would discover that, you know, an an enemy alien race, the Cardassians in this case, Mm, are mm -hmm. also on the ship and are trying to loot the ship, basically. So what I had in my mind for the scenario was sort of a cat and mouse game where the PCs are kind of sneaking around this disabled starship, avoiding the enemy aliens and kind of coming up with a plan for taking the ship back from these evil aliens. Okay. There are some like extra wrinkles to this. I won't go into like Mm -hmm. there was some, like there was some, a survivor of the original crew that was also doing kind of guerrilla stuff on the ship that they could link up to, or maybe Mm -hmm. get in the way of, you know? Mm -hmm. So I threw, there was a few extra things in there. (laughs) Here is what I did. And maybe this is where you'll raise your hand that things went wrong. It's like, I've got to find a way to disable the massive advantages that like a Star Trek Federation ship could bring to this scenario, right? Yes, of which there are many. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, I mean, the PCs are the, you know, the the captain and bridge crew of a ship of like, you know, 200 people that Mm -hmm. can do anything it wants. 
that can call on all sorts of expertise. So I was like, well, so this accident dis dis that disabled the ship, it essentially created this like background radiation that disables most advanced Federation technology. Yeah, so this, this is like the, the cell phone problem in movies, right? Yes, like, it yeah, is. Yeah. I was exactly trying to deal with the cell phone problem in movies. So mm -hmm. communications don't work. You know, a lot of the Star Trek gimmicks, I wanted to just get the Star Trek gimmicks out of the way. So mm -hmm. transporters don't work, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. What do you think happened when I started this scenario? Um, I think they were probably immediately annoyed that they couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't uh, you know, have access to everything yeah. like that. I think the big question I have, right, is did they not see the Kardashian ship that's sort of like nearby? And did you start them on the derelict space station? <laughs> yeah, great yeah. question. So the Kardashian ship had come and gone for plot reasons I'm not going to get into. Okay, yeah. But I did not start them on the spaceship. And yeah. that was that was mm -hmm. at least one of my many jamming mistakes. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah, that's the mistake that I make all the time is, you know, giving them some sort of option to get into the, the adventure. And like, you just, you you have to, you have to like, just start with like, and as you're beaming onto the ship. You know, yes. Like, yes. Yes. Okay. So I didn't do that. And so what happened played out exactly as you would expect. And God bless my players. Like they're wonderful players and I love them for this. But mm -hmm. they also had me as the GM feeling on the run for like the entire evening. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Yes, perfect. We spent an hour before they got on the ship. Mm -hmm. And because when they arrived, they perceived that background radiation problem, which I had I had set up purely as a dumb MacGuffin, whatever. Like mm -hmm. Star Trek episodes do this all the time. Like, yeah. right. And so I yeah. thought I'll just do this in this RPG episode. Well, in my mind, the problem they had to crack was how do we get on the ship and like rescue this ship mm -hmm. given the constraints that the, that the GM has placed on us. Yeah. Instead, the players saw the, that background radiation, they saw the constraint as the problem they were supposed to solve. Interesting. Okay. So we yeah. spent an hour of me answering questions about the background <laughs> radiation <laughs> <Yes>. until, <laughs> Until they ultimately came up with a way to negate it. Right? Oh, okay. And <laughs> so, yeah. so, and then, I mean, I'm simplifying here, but once that was negated, they did what I had kind of, what had been trying to stop them from being able to do. And like the solution to the adventure is we're going to radio back to the ship and tell them to send a contingent of armed Marines over yeah. to like take the ship over, which is, the logical thing to do yeah but it's also not what i had planned the adventure to do yes okay so that is amazing and that's exactly how i think that would play out probably at every game table <laughs> yes of like yes. well i mean i have all these toys you're telling me that we're taking them away let's solve let's solve the problem that's taking them away and right. then we can <laughs> yes exactly. then we can go deal with this other thing so, I mean, you said, you know, so they spent like an hour of that. Was it an hour of you sort of answering questions? And this is like, this is a, I'm probing here, right? Yes, so was it an hour please. of you answering questions in like an annoyed way? Or was it an hour of you answering questions? You know, like an annoyed way, like, okay, yes, yes. Yeah. You could probably turn it on, but like, that's not the point. Like, let's, we're going to like pretend right. like, pretend like you can't solve this problem. Let's go solve this problem. Did yeah. you ever just say that out loud? 
I did not. So okay. when this started, I saw looked into the future and I saw where this was leading. Yes. And I thought to myself at the game table, I thought, should I stop now and say, hey, guys, the background radiation is a conceit of the adventure and you're supposed to accept it and work within its mm -hmm. constraints. Mm -hmm. I opted not to say that because podcasts like ours are always saying <laughs> roll roll with the players right yes and i and if i sound like i'm being sneery about my players i'm not the players were communicating to me this is what seems really intriguing to us mm -hmm. and we want to pursue this problem and try to solve it in the moment i made the decision if the players are telling me this seems like fun to us i'm not going to tell them no you can't have your fun. You have to have my fun. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I didn't say, hey, guys, this is just a conceit. My technical notes for how this background radiation works were three words that said no advanced technology on my notepad, <laughs> by the way. And <laughs> yes. so yeah. they're asking me questions like, well, it prevents this technology from working. But like, does light pass through the radiation? Oh. If so, then maybe we could set up some like line of sight lasers that yeah. would, and we could compare compress information to send and and i could feel the jaws of the trap closing around me as yeah. i like <laughs> tried to answer each question right yeah i mean it all ended fine but yes that was the decision i made at the beginning i had the option to kind of break that fourth wall and say hey guys this is one of those star trek episodes when for no good reason you just can't use the transporters mm -hmm. instead i rolled with it and um i saw i was not <laughs> able to stop them from solving the problem of that background radiation using their very clever ideas and logic. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I would posit that it sounds like this was an extremely successful game, <laughs> right? Okay. Right. Um, Cause I think, I think, right. To me, part of the reason we play these games is to be surprised a bit, right? Like, so again, like you said, right at the top, like this was not exactly the adventure that I had planned, but everybody sounds like they had quite a bit of fun you got stretched in a way that I think you were not planning on, right? Of like, all of a sudden, like, I don't have notes for it, right? <laughs> like, yeah, right. you don't have notes for this, right? And then it's like, it ends up being this really cool back and forth then of like, you're you're sort of navigating that space of like, okay, there's a problem and they're asking me questions and I have to sort of like figure out on the fly sort of like what the truth is, like the truth yes. of the matter. And like, what's, what's the narrative truth, I guess you should say, right? Because it's like, it's all kind of gobbledygook anyway, right? Like you're just coming up with like, <laughs> how could this work, right? On the fly. Yeah. So like, that's really cool. Like, so, and then, and then they still ended up going on the ship, right? And they, yes, they okay. did. What happened? What happened once they got on the ship? When they got on the ship, because they had negated this MacGuffin background radiation thing, mm -hmm. they were, as soon as they assessed what the situation was, they mm -hmm. did the logical thing, which was contact their yeah. ship and say send okay. over a load of marines okay so they didn't even stay to like clear it out with the marines it was just send it so in. <laughs> yeah. so they did and that's why i say i'm simplifying a little bit okay they did engage a little bit they did engage with the premise enough that we had a couple of good scenes mm -hmm. um of yeah. like the players confronting a challenge and overcoming that challenge so yeah. we did have a couple of good scenes and i want to reiterate i'm not complaining about my players mm -hmm. in any way that said I had this gigantic map of the ship I had drawn out that I imagined yep. we would be kind of tensely moving from location to location. Mm -hmm. And that 
that didn't happen at all. Yeah, you you shared a picture of that map, and I looked I at that, and I said, "Wow, something bad is going to happen in the sick bay." <laughs> I was so <laughs> excited about that map. Something yeah. bad did happen in the sick bay. Okay, that was it. actually where something bad happened. But yeah, yes. um, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of different ways to get to the sick bay. <laughs> so it seemed like the GM might be might be wanting you to go there. Like it's tricky because I think I think we've all faced this as GMs, unless you are just unaware of what what's happening with your players. Like I think players want to sort of break break the game. I yeah. think that's a natural instinct um, when you're playing a game. You sort of like want to see like, well, how can I push this this narrative in a different way? And it's like, yeah, you mean you're you're right on. It's like sort of responding to them um, can can lead to a different kind of fun <laughs> than than what you were maybe expecting there. And like, it is sort of on brand for I think Star Trek to have have those resolutions of like, oh, actually, we figured out how to fix our advanced technology, and now. Now, so we're sort of like we can we can handle it now. Like that's sort of the dream of Star Trek is we finally figure out the technology and now everything works and everything's peaceful and all all that that sort of stuff. Like whereas like Firefly, like I'm thinking about like other stuff that's set in space. Like part of the charm of that is that everything is breaking down all the time, right? Like and you hmm. you can't ever fix it. So like you do have to just go in sometimes and sort of figure out the situation yourself, um, right? Like you you don't have backup to call like that. But if you have the might of the federation behind you for any problem that presents itself, like you're always going to kind of want to rely on that. All that said, I think like yeah, going going back to it. So like in do you think any of your players knew that you were sort of struggling to like get it on track a little bit? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think of the players at the table, I think a couple of them were probably thinking this is just a conceit of the adventure. Let's just mm-hmm. Let's just get on the dumb ship and proceed with the adventure as planned. Yeah. Um, they were not the most like vocal players, though. So okay. if that's what they were thinking, that's, yeah, that's not what happened. Yeah, I think it's like also a play style thing. Because I think as GMs, if we sense that our GM is maybe struggling a little bit, I think there's, maybe there's that impishness inside of you that might say like, oh, well, let's kind of like needle them and push them a little yeah. bit. I think but there's I think, a little bit of that in a in yeah. a in a friendly way. I think mm-hmm. that that was going on too, for sure. But I know I've I've played in games where it's like it's very clear the GM sort of wants something to happen, and it's like it can sometimes just be easier to sort of give in <laughs> give into the story rather than necessarily pushing it exactly where you you might want it to go. Can um, you think of any examples like when either you saw what the GM wanted you to do but decided to push them anyway, or mm-hmm. you were the GM in that scenario where your players were just going in a direction you really had not planned on. Yeah, we, so the, the last game I played, so I'm playing in the the enemy within the last session we had, like the whole party sort of like went off the rails. (laughs) Like we we did, (laughs) we did some of what we were supposed to do is, you know, we're at this festival. Right. And like, so there's all this stuff happening. We'd all sort of invented different things that we wanted to do. Um, and it's very clear that there's like someone we're supposed to be talking, talking to. And at one point, one of the players actually just said, like, turned to our GM, Matt, and was like, you really want us to go talk to this person, don't you? <laughs> and he, and he just sort of like, he's like, yeah, but it's okay, right? Like, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. So like, I give him a lot of credit for in that, in that moment and in that session to just be like, well, let's just sort of like, let, let them play around and sort of, yeah, see what they want to do. I mean, we're like fully distracted. We're trying to track down this, um, five-legged albino monkey right it's like (laughs) 
he put it in there. I don't know if it's part of the, the written adventure or not, but like now that is our sole focus is like, we need to get this. If that's this. in the adventure, nothing yeah. else, everything else pales in comparison to finding that yeah. thing, right? And there's all sorts of amazing stuff happening, like all around us. Like there's all sorts of cool plot hooks, but like, yeah, you put, you put a cute animal in there. And, you know, how are you, you going to resist? Um, but yeah, but I mean, like, I think like, and again, some of that stuff can be fun. And I can, I know he's probably like, you know, we're probably still sort of fitting within the parameters of what he has planned. There might be some adjustments and stuff and it's like, it's sort of okay. But I think like there's a, there's a difference though between following something that's in the game. And I think that's appropriate as a player to sort of like see what the space can contain and what you can go through. And then the opposite of that, of sort of just like the edge Lord thing of like, I just burn down the city and walk away. Right. Yeah there is like a, like a, a shared sort of responsibility at the table of like, are you working within the parameters or are you just going to like, yeah, do the photon torpedoes and blow up that ship and then go off and do something else. You see kind of two ways of engaging with the role-playing game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can engage with the scenario on its own terms, or maybe you see the fun of role-playing games as like grappling with the very terms of the scenario mm-hmm. itself. I don't know if that's something that like in a like a quote in a like a session zero or something you would nail out or if that's mm-hmm. just something that has to be negotiated like with your individual players as the campaign rolls on. I think so, right? Cuz like different play- yeah, different players have different personalities and I think there's there's reasons they come back to the table. I think for me, I'm always interested in sort of like what's the next story beat, right? Like where's mm. this thing going? Like that's pretty interesting to me, but I've definitely had players where the interesting thing to them is sort of the chaos within the parameters you give them. Yeah. Right? It's like, like, yes, we're going to go through this dungeon, but I'm not going to do it like the way that you want me to, right? <laughs> you know? And like, you know, part of that is like then the mechanics, like they butt up against the mechanics of like, well, you can, you can try to sweet talk your way past every guard, but eventually you're going to roll wrong. And then what are you going to do? You know, when they raise the alarm and like, that's, that to me is the fun of it, right? Like you can't, you can't simulate that in, you know, like with a hundred percent success in a video game, right? I think it sounds like Baldur's Gate three gets pretty close to like, just sort of do whatever you want, but there's still always going to be those things that only work at the table of like, I need an NPC right now. Like you're right? like, you can just sort of invent that on the fly. Well, it's interesting. You should bring up video games because that did occur to me in the course of reflecting on this, mm-hmm. you know, video games, are able to present immutable, unchangeable restrictions and conditions, right? So we've all played a game where, I mean, whatever, you're playing through a level of the game that might be easy, except the video game has decided that you have 100 seconds of oxygen that are draining out. And like in a video game, you cannot push against that 100 seconds of oxygen thing by saying, well, I'm going to, I'm going to reconfigure the oxygen to to give me more or Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this in a way that doesn't require the oxygen to drain. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Maybe I was approaching this whole scenario with like maybe too much of a video gamey premise Mm -hmm. Um, and forgetting that like in an RPG, almost everything is up for grabs. Like almost everything can be challenged. Right. Like, of course I'm thinking about like, how could you have fixed it? So they would have had to go on the ship. But again, I kind of go back to like, I don't know if you needed to fix it, right? Like, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, maybe it was not the session that you thought it was, but it also was like a good session. Yeah. Right? Like you could have, there's different hooks you could have put in there for like, you know, certain players being like, no, I have to get on that ship immediately. You know, like maybe there's another countdown timer, right? There's all these tricks you could pull 
to get them on that ship faster. Um, yeah, but also, I mean, like, I, yeah, again, I think it's like, yeah, it's a totally acceptable answer to say like, well, how can we, how can we change the the rules, um, the rules of the scenario to fit what we want? And and one of the lessons I took from this was why am I swimming against the current of mm-hmm. the? I'm in the Star Trek RPG. Why am I investing time and in trying to figure out how to take away? pieces of the setting from people yeah the reason we're playing this thing and this is one of the reasons i decided i'm gonna roll with this when i saw where the the players were pushing because it is star trek what am i doing like trying to take away half of the star trekness of this mm-hmm. experience right and in D that will be different you know the expectations that dean the the genre expectations that D brings are different or whatever but i mean sometimes it's fun to impose conditions but if what I'm trying to do is kind of undo half of like the expectations we have for this game, like that's kind of wasted effort because the players are going to instinctively resist it. uh, Right. And then Mm -hmm. why am I playing Star Trek if I don't want them to have access to transporters and phasers (laughs) and stuff? Right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really, yeah, a really good point. Yeah. I mean, maybe the answer is you don't play Star Trek, but right. Well, exactly. And that would be, and, and if like, I can't come up with a good scenario mm-hmm. given the presence of transporters and phasers, then maybe whatever, then there's star Wars, there's firefly, there's mm-hmm. whatever, right? Something else can scratch that itch, but I probably shouldn't try to bend the genre expectations we all have because I'm not happy with one of the genre elements, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Yeah. All right. We should well, wrap up, but yeah. yeah. Thank you for helping me think through that. Um, yeah. You know, I've been jamming for decades now, and like it's, it's a wonder to me that that every game I just I really never know what it's going to be like. A lot of games kind of progress as planned, but I am still whatever thirty some years into this hobby, having game nights that that take me uh, catch me off guard, and that's yeah. kind of amazing to me. Yeah, it's super amazing. Yeah, I think, um, and that's probably why you keep coming back. Too. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's let's wrap up there. Um, it was a good conversation. Yeah. Thanks for letting letting us talk through that on air. Um, but yeah. So this has been Roll for Topic. We're part of the Roll for It Media Podcasting Network. Our sister show, The Splat Book, with John Coria and Kyle Latino, is great. Um, as we mentioned before, Kyle has a Kickstarter going for Monstrous, which you can find a link to. Um, I think in our show notes or you know website, or you can just Google for Monstrous Kickstarter. I think you should find it. Um, they're very close to their goal. I think they're going to hit it. But um, yeah, go check that out. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, be be one of the people that pushes them over that goal. Yes, yeah, the person that pushes it over. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the thing I just pulled it up. The thing that, to me that's really cool is they have almost a thousand different individuals who are backing this, and that uh, I think that really yes. speaks to just like the the creativity and stuff that's going into it. It's just like this is yeah, it's something cool. It's something neat. They've really hit on something cool with this. But okay, all right. I think that does it for us. Um, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. Even if the adventure went off the rails. (laughs) Yes, even. Especially. Yeah. (laughs)